I hope you guys are doing well. Um, welcome to H2O. Uh, my name is Kyle. I'm actually one of the pastors here at H2O Church. Um, and so uh, I've actually been here at H2O here in Cincinnati for about 11 years now. Just a pretty long time. Uh, three of those years I was here um, uh, as, a, as a student leader involved in this church. Um, and before that, I was still, I was coming to UC, uh, that was kind of around the time that I gave my life to Christ, which was like 2010, um, when I was about a junior in college. And so, um, finished out my degree, graduated, came on staff with H2O. I've been on staff here for about eight years now. Um, now I am a, a pastor here, and um, as part of my role over the next year or so, um, I'm going to begin to transition out, actually, of H2O Cincinnati um, because we are going to be planting a church uh, at the university at Buffalo, in Buffalo, New York. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so if you've been wondering why there's, you know, a flag behind me, maybe you saw that last week, um, and there's obviously the UC flag behind me as well. It's really just meant as a reminder that not only are we invested here at the University of Cincinnati, but soon we're going to be invested as well at the University at Buffalo. And um, some of you are pretty new to our church, and so maybe that feels startling, like, I just got here, I'm, what are you talking about, and uh, stuff like that. But as a church, we really believe that we ought to live as a sent people, um, as people that are sent out from here to reach others with the good news about Jesus. That may mean being sent out to UC, into your classrooms to, to talk to people about Jesus, or it may mean somewhere else entirely. And so um, the hope you know, even in, as we continue to talk about church planting and things like that, um, the hope really is that during your time here at UC that you would consider where it is that God would send you, right? Where it is that he wants you to go and um, who it is that he wants to send you to. And so every so often over the course of the year, um, you'll hear from me on Sundays a little less this year than in the past, again, because I'm, I'm kind of starting to transition out. Um, and so others will we'll start to, to step up and, and preach on Sundays and things like that. And um, you'll hear from some younger staff because we're trying to raise them up as leaders in our church, both to um, kind of shoulder the teaching load here at UC, but also to help me shoulder the load in Buffalo. Because um, again, we're taking a team with us to, to move there and really try to reach people for Christ. And so that's kind of who I am uh, and, and sort of my role in this church. And um, yeah, if you were with us last week, we began our series in the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to be going through the book of Romans the entire school year. So this semester and next semester, um, really a dense book of the Bible. So there's a lot, a lot to go through. Um, to be honest, I don't think that we'll be able to cover every single thing that's in there, but um, I think it'll be good regardless. Last week, Grant went over Paul's introduction to this letter. That's what it is. It's a letter. Paul wrote this letter to Rome. It's uh, his longest letter that he wrote. And uh, this week, we're actually going through another eight verses um, in Romans 1. And honestly, uh, in a way, the part that we are about to go through, I think, feels very much like a continuation of the introduction to Paul's letter before he really gets into a lot of substance and meat and, and things like that that he's really trying to teach the Roman church. Um, something I noticed when I read through this letter most recently is that from verse 16 in chapter 1 uh, all the way through chapter 11, it's really just this long-form explanation of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, um, the idea that we're sinners in need of a Savior, 
you know, and that Jesus lived a perfect life for us and took on uh, the wrath of God in our place uh, when he died on the cross, and that we're completely and utterly undeserving of the grace and forgiveness that God has given us through him, and that if we trust in Christ and in Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins, we'll be saved. And so Paul just takes a long time to go through the ins and outs of that message over and over and over again through uh, a ton of chapters in this letter. Chapters 12 through 15 then seem to be how Paul thinks we should respond, right? He's like, okay, so this is the good news. This is the message. This is what we're devoted to. So what do we do with that, right? And so he explains some of that in, in the following chapters. And so for this reason, Grant recommended last week that at some point this semester or this year that you take some time to sit down and read through the entire book of Romans in one sitting, which may sound like a lot depending on, you know, how used to reading the Bible you are. It's going to take you a little bit of time. It might take you like an hour or so. Um, But really, that's given that it's a letter that will make it make the most sense, right? Like if you received a letter in the mail, you wouldn't sit down and read like a paragraph one day and then like, okay, I'm going to take a break and then I'll read another paragraph the next day or, or something like that, you wouldn't do that. You would read it all at once because it's kind of one long uh, thought or, or continuation of thought. And so that's my recommendation as well, is that you'd take some time to do that at some point this semester. So with all of that said, uh, we're going to continue on in Romans 1, verses 8 through 15. Um, so if you have a Bible, feel free to pull it up. Otherwise, I think it'll be on the screen for us um, here in a moment. Uh, but before we dig in, let's pray. God, um, Lord, we love you, and we want you to to be here in this place. God, we come here because we want to hear from you, Lord, we want to learn, we want to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to follow you more deeply. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd speak um, through your word and uh, through me. Lord, we want you to be here, we want to hear from you, and so we pray all this in your name. So Romans 1, verses 8 through 15, I'm reading out of the CSB, but whatever translation you have is probably fine. It says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son, that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are, you also who are in Rome. Okay, so Paul, again, he's writing this letter to the Roman church, and he's very encouraged by the Roman church. Okay, he's thankful for them. He's thankful for what God is doing in their lives. He really longs to visit them is kind of what he seems to indicate. Like he's really desiring to visit with them, to um, talk with them, to speak with them. And he's even praying and asking God for an opportunity to go to them. 
Now, why does he want to do this? Well, I think first and foremost, he wants to bless this church. He hadn't met these people, but, you know, he understood that there was good things happening in their church, that people were getting saved and things like this, and he wants to bless them. He wants to give to them. He says, I want to impart, I'm sorry, impart some spiritual gift to you, which probably just means that he wants to build them up through one of the gifts of the Spirit, that he wants to encourage them, um, he wants to push them closer to God. But also, he thinks that he will be encouraged uh, by visiting them and being built up by them as well. He says he wants to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And so we can see from this that Paul is placing a very high value and priority on his relationships with other believers. He, he finds that to be so important, so valuable. He places a high value on the church. He places a high value on community with other people that are following Jesus. And he places a high value on pursuing God together. Together. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about pursuing God together, why that's so important, what um, we should do about that, and even maybe what that should look like. And the reason this is important is because we believe, and, and the scriptures seem to indicate, that having a relationship with God is the very most important thing, right? It's the most important thing in our lives. God has designed us to walk with him. God's designed us to know him, to pursue him, to invite others into that same relationship, to extend his kingdom there's nothing more important than that. Your classes, your career, your family, none of that is as important as your relationship with God. All of those are good things, but they're not God, right? This is of first importance, but God has not designed us to do that alone. He's not designed us to walk that walk by ourselves. He's not designed us to pursue Jesus by ourselves. And this is kind of littered throughout the scriptures, we see that God has really designed us to pursue him alongside other people. He never intended us to, to, to do this on our own. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam is alone, in the book of Genesis, God says what? He says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Jesus tells his disciples that people will know that they are his disciples. How? By their love for one another. Jesus also sends out his disciples to do mission, to minister to others. And how does he do that? He sends them out two by two. He doesn't send them out on their own. And there are dozens and dozens of other examples throughout the scriptures that seem to indicate that we're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant to follow Jesus all on our own. That said, I think Paul's example here in the book of Romans is really worth considering because Many followers of Jesus, not all, but many of you may find yourself in one of two camps, one of two places, uh, maybe even one of, one of two pitfalls that I think are, are important to consider. Uh, so you might be the type of person that doesn't place enough emphasis on community, right? It's not important enough to you. Or you might be the type of person that places too much emphasis on community, and it becomes your functional God, right? So either biblical community is too important to you, and it, it, in some ways, can replace God in your life, or it's not important enough. And so I really want to kind of go through these to help diagnose uh, what that might be for you. And, and again, you may not find yourself in either of these two camps, but 
uh, you know, if you do, it's at least worth considering. The first is that it's too important to you. If, if you're in this camp, you probably have too much of an emphasis on community. And, and if that's true, you'll find that the strength of your relationship with God is based almost entirely on the people around you. Sometimes this is an entire group of people, like a church or a small group, um, that frankly, maybe the culture of that group uh, has been so important to you that it's essentially carried your relationship with God. That might not be a group of people. It might be an individual, a single individual that's had like a strong impact in your life. Many of you have had an experience where there's been someone or even a couple of people that have deeply invested in your life. And they've been super influential and in your walk with God, they've been influential, right? That person might have invested a lot of time in you, cared for you really deeply, um, you know, showed you what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, you know, what it means to understand the scriptures and what it looks like to really love God day in and day out. And that's a good thing, right? Like, that's a really good thing. But for some of you, if you take that person or that group of people away, what you find is that you didn't really have a deep foundation in God himself. I've seen countless people that, you know, if, if they don't have that person or that community, the moment they leave that, you know, they start to um, really, really struggle. You find that community has become a kind of foundation for your faith and that Jesus is not. And when that happens, I think that's pretty dangerous, right? Because no human being is a good substitute for God himself. No person can do that. You need a personal, strong foundation in the Lord. Like your private, secret time alone with God is so crucial. It's so important. And for this type of person, if you take the community away, you take their role model away, it's pretty typical that soon after they're no longer following Jesus, maybe they stop going to church, or maybe they are no longer um, following God at all, right? Like they no longer uh, are walking in the faith. And so our, our relationships with, with other believers, they're super important. They're deeply important, but they are no substitute for our own personal relationship with Christ. These relationships are intended to bolster, encourage, and build us up, but they are a terrible foundation, and they're a terrible God. So that's one type of person. It's, it's too important. I think that's less common than the alternative, which is that it's not important enough. Right? For, for some people in here, community may not be important enough, and um, this plays out in a lot of ways that I'll, I'll explain, but this type of person, and this is going to sound really rude or inflammatory, but this type of person, I think, is either, either arrogant or ignorant, okay? And, and again, I don't mean that in a rude way. I'm, I'm just, you know, that's, those are the most honest words I can use there. They're either arrogant or they're ignorant. If you're arrogant, you think that you can follow Jesus just fine without the type of community that the Bible calls for. This type of person might come to college or move to a new city uh, when they get a new job and be convinced that they can maintain a strong relationship with God by themselves. They can go it alone. Right? If they meet other believers, maybe they'll be glad about that, but, but a lot of the time it kind of just boils down to, oh, you have some like-mindedness, and so that's nice you know, to have a friend that you know, shares some of the same ideas and thoughts as you and stuff like that. But when it comes down to it, they're also likely to just remain really private in that relationship with another believer, right? And that plays itself out in two ways. Either, either you 
don't invest in them, right? You're not likely to make any significant effort to push them closer to Jesus. Or um, you're, you're not likely to let them push you closer to Jesus, right? You, you remain private. You remain guarded. And, and the reason for this is because uh, they want to isolate into a safer space where, frankly, you get to remain comfortable in your walk with God, free of challenge. Right? Nobody's going to challenge you, and you don't have the, the, um, really the burden of challenging others and trying to push others closer to Jesus. And I find that this is a temptation for me, if I'm honest. Like, if I keep others at bay, if others don't know enough about, like, what my relationship with God looks like day in and day out, then, you know, I, I, I don't have to fear, you know, that they're going to, to really call me out and push me into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Because while that's good, it's hard. Right? So, not important enough. You think that you can do it on your own. Um, this is super, super common among college students. You know, they come to school. Um, maybe they get their feet a little bit wet in a church or a ministry, but really they don't intend to get fully involved, um, if nothing else, because they think that they are just fine trying to follow Jesus on their own. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that that's the type of example that we're seeing here in Romans. The alternative is uh, you may not be arrogant, but you may just be ignorant. And again, I know that that sounds, I think that word carries a kind of connotation with it that's really negative. What I mean when I say that is you don't know what you don't know. And so for some people in here, maybe you love God, but you haven't really experienced deep, good biblical community before. Or you haven't seen it in the scriptures that this is important. And so you may not be arrogant, you may just be ignorant. You may not... Uh, really know what it means to follow Christ alongside other believers. And so you stray away from it, and it becomes not important enough to you. Right? If that's true, you may not even realize or understand that we're, we're meant to do this with others. I had this wrong idea when I first became a believer that if I needed to be strong enough like in my faith, that if I was like for some reason on an island by myself somewhere with no other believers around me, that I would be just fine. And while the idea behind that is, I think, okay-ish, right? Like I want to have a strong foundation such that like, okay, you know, if I have a season of life where maybe I'm not blessed the same way I am right now with other believers in my life, you know, hopefully I'm still okay. And I think the idea behind that's fine, except that that's not the example that we see in the Bible. The example we see in the Bible is that we follow Christ together. And so those are the two, th either it's too important to you, you know, community becomes your functional God, or not important enough where you don't press in and really let uh, others impact you and choose to try and impact others um, with your faith. And so the solution, the uh, response that we see in Romans 1 is this, mutual encouragement. Mutual encouragement. That's the, the phrasing that Paul uses in Romans 1. He, he says, I want very much to see you. Why? So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Right? And so it's this idea of to, to give and receive. 
a community is, is a place where you can give, so you can encourage, you can push others closer to Jesus. And that's, I think, of primary importance to Paul, right? That's the very first thing he says. He wants to impart some kind of spiritual gift. He wants to encourage. He wants to push them closer to Jesus. And I think he realizes that as he does that, he is likely to also be encouraged in his faith. He is likely also to be pushed closer and closer to God. Now, I think something I see in young believers a lot is that they don't view this as giving and receiving, but as giving or receiving, right? That you get to choose. And so in a lot of believers, especially, um, you know, in, in places of comfort like the United States, I think people will tend to, to, to look for a church or a body based, that, based on what they will get out of it, based on what they will receive, it becomes consumeristic, right? You go to a church based on whether or not you think that uh, they're going to give enough to you. Or perhaps they leave their church because they no longer feel they're receiving enough in the form of care or discipleship or investment or something like this. But what Paul describes is mutual encouragement, right? The primary thing he wants to do is give, and he also understands that as he presses into these relationships, as he gives and is encouraging and pushing others closer to Christ, he also will be encouraged in return. Right? He doesn't go there just to receive. He goes there to, to, to give, and, and receiving comes with it. Right? He wants to impart some kind of spiritual gift. He wants to encourage. He wants to teach, to build up the body of Christ. Good biblical relationships go both ways. They go both ways. They're mutual. We're designed to push each other closer to Jesus. This is why um, there are so many avenues in our church uh, to, to um, get invested in community. That's why we talk about life groups. That's why that's a foundational aspect of our church. We really want the people that are involved in our church to be rubbing shoulders with other believers for their benefit and for the benefit of the other believers, Right? That's why we have things like the well. You can rub shoulders with other people. You can get encouragement. Someone can teach you what it means to follow Jesus. But you also get to do that alongside of a group of people. You get to, to walk with them, build relationships with them. What I find um, just in my own life, when I'm not pressing in to deep community, when I'm not um, really pursuing that well, um, when I'm not surrounding myself with people that love Jesus, when I'm not trying to learn from others, when I'm not trying to, to also encourage and push others, what I find is that I slip into uh, a kind of apathy or what I think in my head I've recently just called functional atheism. And what I mean by that is not that like, oh, I, I am myself an atheist. I don't believe that God is, is real. That's not what I'm saying, but I sure sometimes live like that's true. I, I sometimes, if I'm not careful, can live like I, I don't love Jesus, like I don't love God. Like he doesn't exist, or like God's not alive, or even just that he's very distant. So like, what that looks like is, even in my attempts to follow Jesus, sometimes I'll pray, but then I'll, I'll pray more like I'm reciting something then I'm actually talking to a person. 
right? Or, or, or perhaps, uh, you know, as I talk with people about God, I feel more like I'm talking about a set of beliefs than an actual relationship with the God of the universe. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's like this, um, but I know for me, this kind of mindset can become more uh, our default than actually living like the word of God is true. Like, I have to fight off this tendency. In a lot of ways, it feels more natural to, to kind of go through the motions than to actually engage and uh, love God well the way that I was intended. And, and the reason I share that is because I think that that's one reason that God has given us each other. God is alive. And, and the word of God tells us that if, if we are his followers, if we have, have come to a saving faith by expressing faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, the word tells us that he places his spirit inside of us and that he's doing things in us. He's teaching us what it means to follow him, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what it looks like to, to grow in him. And for me, when I'm living in that kind of state of, of like apathy or, or functional atheism, it's so important for me to see other brothers and sisters who are following Jesus fiercely. It's so important. Like I need to be reminded that, that God is alive and really what it looks like to love him, to love him day in and day out. It reminds me of the truth. It helps me to love God more. Like that stirs up my affection for him. It makes me want to seek him more and pursue him more in my uh, private time alone with the Lord. And it reminds me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It reminds me that Jesus is the one treasure that's truly worth pursuing. That God, that he is, is what we're all longing for in the depths of our souls that he is what's most important. And so when I see other men and women pursuing Jesus fiercely, that stirs up my affection for him. And so when we succeed to do that, like when we succeed in mutually encouraging one another and building one another up, I think that's a space where we experience God more fully than we can on our own. It's a space where we get to see God work more where we press into each other's lives, we, are, we get to see God healing each other and growing each other, doing work in our hearts to change us and make us more like him. I think that's where we see more people enter into a relationship with God. The scripture like, describes that as going from death to life. Doesn't that sound miraculous? Like, Don't you want to see that? I think that happens more when you guys are pressing into each other's lives, pushing each other closer to Jesus, really rubbing shoulders with each other. The Bible describes that as iron sharpening iron. Does that sound like that feels good, by the way? <laughs> Does that sound like an easy process? Iron sharpening iron? That's going to be uncomfortable. But it's good. It's good, and it pushes you closer into your relationship with God and into the blessings that come along with that, Jesus describes himself as life. Right? When you have a relationship with him, you have life and life abundant. 
I don't know about you, but I want more of that. I want more of that, and I need other people in my life that are, that are following him and trying to push me in that way if I want more of that. And so I have some, some just as I'm closing out, some really practical, I think, questions for you guys to consider and just self-reflection and things like that because this is all, it's a great idea, but maybe you don't understand what practically to do with this. And so some things that I really would love for you guys to consider um, today and this week, first and foremost, do you have strong relationships with other believers? Like, do you have relationships with other people that really love God? And if so, what do those look like? Right? What do those look like? Do you talk about God in those relationships often? Do you challenge each other often? Do you, do you challenge each other to pursue him more fully? Do you share what God is teaching you? Or, or do you kind of reserve that for these spaces, right? For, for when you go to life group. I'll talk about God when I go there. If you don't have strong relationships with other believers, what can you do to seek those out? Again, life group and, and things like the well are great options for that. Fall getaway, another great option to, to meet new people and, and really start building strong biblical relationships. And then lastly, what can you do to be more intentional in your relationships with other believers? What can you do to mutually encourage each other? What would it look like if you're going to start to challenge those people in your life a little bit more? What would it look like to, to open yourself up to that kind of challenge in your own life? Maybe that means asking, you know, asking people like, hey, what do you see in my life? What, 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 do you, what would you like me to grow in? There's some really, really good things to consider and think through as we are trying to really follow Christ more and, and let other people be a part of that because, frankly, we all have blind spots. <laughs> There have been so many times in my life where I've needed people to point out my blind spots, to point out my weaknesses and, and where I can grow. Um, my wife, Lindsay, does that all the time. Praise God for people like that in my life that are willing to be bold and honest about, you know, things that they see in my life. So um, this, this is what I've got for you guys. Um, I'm, I'm just going to close us in prayer, um, and I hope that this has been helpful for you. So, Lord, um, you're so good to us, and I just know that, that you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, and that honestly, a lot, probably most of my best experiences with you have been alongside other people that love you. God, and I thank you for that. I thank you for blessing us with other people that love you. God, that we don't have to, to, to walk this walk alone. Lord, and I just pray that you'd help us to, to lean into that all the more. Lord, I know I want to grow. I want to love you more tomorrow than I do today. And I know that having people in my life that love you is a fantastic way to grow in my walk with you. God, you're so good to us, and we thank you so much for saving us, for sending your son Jesus to, to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven so that we could have a relationship with you. God, I know I don't thank you for that enough, and Lord, I just thank you now for that. And 
Lord, we just pray that you'd be here and be present with us as we worship you with your song. Pray this all in your name. Amen.